Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, the book, the 12th, the penultimate peril. Spooky. Chapter 8. The word Dumont is not only the name of a hotel. You know what? I'm looking this up. Hold on. I just want to make sure if I've been saying it the whole time. Okay. G G E N O U E. Oh my gosh, this word is just confusing. O-U-E-M-E-N-T. Okay. Let's hear it. Denouement. Denouement. Oh. Denouement. Denouement. Okay, so it's denouement. Darn it, we've been saying it wrong the whole time. That's okay. Better halfway figuring it out than not at all, right? Hotel. The word denouement is the only is not only the name of a hotel or the family who manages it, particularly nowadays when the hotel and all of its secrets have almost been forgotten. Where's the do we know where our cute little bookmark is? Oh here it is. Hold on you guys. Oh my gosh, how annoying. I have to put the bookmark in before I lose it. Okay. Blah 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 blah. Okay, okay. The word denouement is not only the name of a hotel or a family who manages it, particularly nowadays when the hotel and all of its secrets have almost been forgotten and the surviving members of the family have changed their names and are working in smaller, less glamorous inns. Denouement comes from the French word who who used the word to describe the act of untying a knot and it refers to unraveling of confusing mysteries and stories, such as the lives of the Baudelaire orphans, or anyone else that you know whose life is filled with unanswered questions. The denouement is the moment when all the knots of the story are untied and the threads are unraveled and everything is laid out clearly for the world to see. But the denouement should not be confused with the end of the story. Okay, hold on, coffee break. Mm Mm-hmm. The denouement of Snow White, for instance, occurs at the moment when Miss White wakes up from her enchanted sleep and decides to leave the dwarves behind and marry the handsome prince. And the mysterious old woman who gave her an apple has been exposed as a treacherous queen. But the end of Snow White occurs many years later when the horseback, when a horseback riding accident plunges Miss White into a fever from which she never recovers. The, du- the denouement of the Goldilocks and the three bears occurs the moment when the bears return home to find Goldilocks nabbing on their private property and either chase her away from premise or eat her, depending on which version you have in your library. But the end of, Goldilo- the end of Goldi- Goldilocks and the three bears occurs when a troop of young scouts neglect to extinguish their campfire. Even the efforts of the volunteer fire department cannot save the wildlife from certain death. There are some stories in which the denouement of the end of the end occurs simultaneously, such as the La Forza del Destino. 
in which the characters recognize and destroy one another over the course of a single song. But usually the, the denouement of a story is not the last evident of the heroes, heroes' lives or the last trouble that befalls them. It is often the second-to-last second event of the penultimate peril. As the Baudelaire orphans follow the mysterious man out of the hotel through the cloud of the stream of the edge of the reflective pond, the denouement of their story was fast approaching, but the end of their story was still waiting for them, like a secret still covered in fog or a distant island in the midst of troubled sea, whose waves raged against the shores of the city wall's perplexing hotel. You must have a thousand questions, Baudelaire, said a man, and just think. Right here is where they can be answered. Who are you? Violet said. I'm Dewey Denouement. Dewey Denouement replied. The third triplet. Haven't you heard of me? No, Klaus said. We thought we were only Frank and... I, we thought that there were only Frank and Ernest. Frank and Ernest get all the attention, Dewey said. They got to walk around in the hotel managing everything while I just hide in the shadows and wind the clocks. He gave the Baudelaire's an enormous sigh and scowled into the depth of the pond. That's what I don't like about VFD, he said. All the smoke and mirrors. Smoke, Sunny said. Smoke and mirrors, Klaus explained. It means tricky, trickery used to cover up the truth. But what does it have to do with VFD? Before the schism, Dewey said, VFD was like a public library. Anyone could join just to have access to all the information that we've acquired. Volunteers all over the globe are reading each other's research, learning of each other's observation, and borrowing each other's books. For a while, it seemed as if we might keep the whole world safe, secure, and smart. It must have been a wonderful time, Klaus said. I scarcely remember it, Dewey said. I was four years old when the schism began. I scarcely was tall enough to reach my favorite bookshelf in the family library, the books labeled 020. But one night, just as our parents were hanging balloons from our fifth birthday party, my brothers and I were taken. Taken where, Violet asked. Taken by whom, Sunny asked. I admire your curiosity, Dewey said. The woman who took took me said that one can remain alive along past the usual date of the disintegration disintegration of one of the unafraid of the one afraid of change insatiable in insatiable in intellectual curiosity interested in being <clears throat> in big things <clears throat> in happy and small ways she took me to a place in the high mountains where she said such things would be encouraged klaus opened his commonplace book and began to take furious notes the headquarters klaus said in the valley of four drafts your parents must have missed you violet said they perished that very night dewey said in a terrible fire i don't have to tell you how badly i felt when i learned the news do they only take the kids that are born in threes because it's like every kid that was kidnapped it was born in sets of three or maybe all the good people in VFD have kids in sets of three. Oh my gosh. The Baudelaire sighed and then looked out at the pond. Here and there, on its calm surface, they could see the reflection of the few lights in the windows, but most of the hotel was dark, so that the pond was dark too. The triplet, of course, did not have to tell the Baudelaires how it felt to lose one's parents so suddenly, or at such a young age. It was not always this way, Baudelaires, Dewey said. Once there were safe places scattered across the globe, and so orphans like yourselves did not have to wander from place to place, trying to find noble people who could be of assistance. With each generation, the schism got worse. If justice did not prevail soon, there would be no safe place left, and nobody would be left to remember how the world ought to be. 
I don't understand, Violet said. Why weren't we taken like you? You were, Dewey said. You were taken into the custody of Count Olaf, and he tried to keep you in his custody no matter how many noble people tried to intervene. But why wouldn't... But why didn't anyone tell us what was going on, Klaus said. Why did we have to figure things out all by ourselves? I'm afraid that that's the wicked way of the world, Dewey said with a shake of his head. Everything's covered in smoke and mirrors, Baudelaire's, since the schism, all the research, all the observations, and even all of the books that have been scattered all over the globe. It's like an elephant poem that your father loved. Everyone has their hands on a tiny piece of the truth, but nobody can see the whole thing. Very soon, however, that will all change. Thursday, Sunny said. Exactly, Dewey said, smiling down at the youngest Baudelaire. As long as all of those noble people will be gathered together along with the research they've done, all of the observations that they've made, all the evidence they've collected, and all the books that they've read, just as a library catalog can tell you where a certain book is located. This catalog will tell you the location of the behavior of every volunteer and every villain. He gestured to the hotel. For years, he said, while noble people wandered the world observing treachery, my comrades and I have been right here gathering all of the information. We've copied every note from every commonplace book from every volunteer, and I've compiled it all into a catalog. Occasionally, when the volunteers have been lost or safe places destroyed, we had to go we had to go ourselves to collect the information that had been left behind. We've retrieved Josephine Ann Whistle's files from Lake Lacrimose and carefully copied down their comp- contents. We gathered the burnt scrapes of Madame Lulu's archival library had taken notes on what child- what we've found. We've researched child- the childhood home of the man with the beard, no hair, and interviewed the math teacher of the woman with hair but no beard. We've memorized important articles within the stacks of newspaper in Paltryville, and we've thrown important st- items out into the windows of the destroyed headquarters so that they might wind up somewhere safe at sea. But we've taken every step, we've taken every crime, every theft, every wicked deed, and every incident of rudeness and since the schism began, and the catalog them into an entire library of misfortune. Eventually, every crucial secret ends up in my catalog. It's been my life's work. It has not been an easy life, but it has been an informative one. You're more than a volunteer, Violet said. You're a librarian. I'm more than a sub-sub-librarian, Dewey said modestly. That's what your parents used to call me because my library work has largely uncovered and, under- and underground. Every, vil- every villain in the world wanted to destroy all of this evidence, so it's been necessary to hide my life's work away. But where could you hide something so enormous, Klaus said. It would be like, it would be like hiding an elephant. A catalog that immense would, would be as big as this hotel itself. It is, Dewey said, with a sly expression on his face. In fact, it's exactly as big as this hotel. Violet and Klaus turned to their gaze, turned their gaze from Dewey to look into each other in confusion, but Sunny was gazing neither at the sub-sub-librarian nor at her siblings, but down at the dark surface of the pond. Aha, she said, pointing to the small gloved finger at the calm still water. Exactly, Dewey said. The truth has been right under everyone's noses, and if anybody created the past, look past the surface, the volunteers and the villains alike would know that the safe place is of the Hotel Denouement. But no one has ever questioned why the sign is written backwards, and they're and they're staying in the Hotel Dumont written backwards though, while the real last safe place, the catalog, is hidden safely below the pond and under 
in underwater rooms organized by a mirror or image of the hotel itself. Our enemies could burn the entire building to the ground, but the most important secrets would be safe. But if the location of the catalog such as important secret, Violet said, why are you telling us? Because you should know, Dewey said, you've wandered you've wandered the world observing more villainy and gathering more evidence than most people do in a lifetime. I'm sure that the observations and evidence that you've gathered in your commonplace books will be valuable contribution to the catalog. Who better than to keep the world's most important secrets? He looked out at the pond and then at each orphan in turn. After Thursday, he continued, you won't have to be at sea anymore, Baudelaire's. The children knew, but the expression at sea means lost and confused, and hearing those words brought tears to their eyes. I hope you decide to make this your permanent home. I need someone with inventive imagination so that I can improve on this aquatic design of the catalog. I need someone with the sort of research skills that can expand the catalog until until it is the finest in the world. And of course, we'll need to eat, and I've heard some wonderful things about Sonny's cooking. F and Castro, Sonny said modestly. Hal's meals are ast- uh, oh, Hal's meals are atrocious, and I'm afraid, Dewey said with a, ref- a refuel smile. I don't know why he insisted on opening the restaurant in room 954 when so many other suitable rooms were available. Bad food of any style is unpleasant, but bad Indian food is possibly the worst. How's the volunteer? Klaus asked, remembering that what Sonny had observed during the errands of the concierge. He, in a manner of speaking, Dewey said, using his expression, which means sort of. After the fire that destroyed the Heimlich Hospital, many comrades lived, lived on the scene of catalog any information that might have survived. She found Hal in a very distraught condition. His library of records was in shambles, and he had nowhere to live. She offered him a position at the Hotel Denouement, where he might aid in our research in learning to, and learn to cook. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he's only been good at one of those things. And what about Charles? Violet asked, remembering what Klaus had observed during his errands. Charles had been searching for you since you left the lumber mills, Dewey said. He cares about you, Baudelaire's. Hold on, I'm sitting up. But... Okay, but hello. But despite the dreadful behavior of his pattern, you've seen your share of wicked people, Baudelaire's, and you've seen your share of people as noble as you. Well, I'm not sure we are noble, Klaus said quietly, flipping the pages of his commonplace book, because those accidents at the lumber mill were respons- we're responsible for the destruction of the hospital, and we started the fire that destroyed Madame Lulu's archival library. We enough, Dewey said, interrupting gently and put his hand on Klaus's shoulder. You're noble enough, Baudelaire's. That's all we can ask for in this world. The middle Baudelaire hung his head so he was leaning against the sub-sub-librarian, and his sisters huddled against him, and all four volunteers stood in a moment, silently in the dark. Tears fell from the eyes of the forfin- of the orphans, all four of them, and with many tears shed at night, they could not have said exactly what they were, why they were crying, although... I know why I'm crying as I type this, and it is not because the opinions that someone is slicing in the next room or because of the wretched curry he is eating or he was planning on making them. I'm crying because the Dewey denouement system was wrong. Oh, the Dewey denouement was wrong. He's not able to, he was not wrong when he said that the Baudelaire's were were noble enough, although I suppose many people might argue that such a thing 
if they were sitting in a room a room together without a deck of cards or something good to read. Dewey was wrong when he said that being noble enough is all we can ask for in the world, because we can ask for much more than that. We can ask for a second helping of pound cake, even though someone has made it quite clear that you will not get any. We can ask for a new watercolor set, even though it will be pointed out that we never used the old one, and that all of the paints dried into crumbly into a crumbly mess. We can ask for a Japanese fighting fish to keep us company in our bedroom, and we can ask for a special camera that will allow us to take photographs even in the dark for obvious reasons. And we can ask for an extra sugar cube in our coffees in the morning, and we can ask for an extra pillow, a bed at night. We can ask for justice, and we can ask for a handkerchief, and we can also ask for for a cupcake, and we can also ask for so all the soldiers in the all the soldiers in the world to lay down their weapons and join us in rousing the chorus of Crimea River, if that happens to be our favorite song. But we can also ask for something that we are much more likely to get, and that is to find a person or two somewhere in our travels who will tell us that we are noble enough, whether it is true or not. We can ask for some someone who will say, "You are not noble enough," and remind us of our remind. Oh, you are noble enough, and remind us of our good qualities when we have forgotten them or cast them to doubt. Most of us, of course, have parents and friends who tell us such things after we've lost a, a badminton tournament or failed to capture a notorious counterfeiter who we discovered aboard a certain motorboat. But the Baudelaire orphans, of course, have had no living parents because their and their closest friends were in the high sky and self-sustaining hot air mobile home eating, battling eagles and terrible henchmen who had hooked Hooks instead of hands. So the acquaintance of the Dewey, of Dewey de Dumont and the comforting words he had uttered were a blessing. The Baudelaire stood with a sub-sub librarian, grateful for the blessing and the sound of the approaching automobile, and they looked to see two more blessings arrive in, via taxi and were grateful all over again. Baudelaire's called a familiar voice. Baudelaire's called another. The siblings peered through the dark, at the two figures emerging from the taxi, scarcely able to believe their eyes. These people were wearing strange glass eyeglasses that made of two large cones and were attached to their heads with a mass of tangled rope, which was coiled up on the top of their heads. Such glasses might have concealed their identity to some people. Oh, it's concealed their identity of the people who were wearing them, but the Baudelaire's had no trouble recognizing the people who were hurrying towards them. Even though they had not seen these these either person in a very long time and thought that they would never see them again justice strauss violet cried jerome jerome squalor justice cried j.s sunny cried i'm happy to so happy to find you the judge said taking off her vision furthering device so she could dab her eyes and embrace the children one by one i was afraid i'd never see you again i'll never forgive myself for letting that idiotic banker take you away from me and i'll never forgive myself jerome who had been mis in the misfortune of being married to Esme Squalor for walking away from you children. I'm afraid I wasn't a very good guardian, and I'm afraid I wasn't a good guardian. I'm afraid I wasn't a guardian at all, Strauss said. As you know, you were taken away in an automobile, and I knew that I had done the wrong thing. And when I heard that the dreadful news about Dr. Montgomery, I began searching for you. Eventually, I found other people who were trying to battle the wicked villains of this world, but I always hoped to find you myself, and if only to say how sorry I was. I'm sorry too, Jerome said, as I heard about the, all the troubles that befell on you at, village of, at the village of foul devotees. I began my own Baudelaire search. 
Volunteers were leaving me messages everywhere. At least, I thought the messages were addressed to me. I thought that they were addressed to me, Justice Stroh said. There are certainly plenty of people in the world with initials JS. I began to feel like an imposter, Jerome said. You're not imposters, Dewey said. You're volunteers. He turned to the Baudelaire's. Both of these people have helped us immensely, he said, using a word here which means a whole lot. Justice Strauss had reported the details of your case to the other judge in the high court, and Jerome Squalor has done a critical research on injustice. I was inspired by my wife, Jerome confessed, removing his vision-furthering device. Wherever I looked for you, Baudelaire's, I found a selfish plot to... I found selfish plots to steal your fortune i read books on injustice in the libraries and left behind and eventually wrote a book myself the idiots lusting after finance chronicles of the of the history of greedy villains treacherous girlfriends and bungling bankers and all of the other people responsible for injustice no matter what we do however justice said we we can't erase the wrongs we did to you baudelaire's she's right jerome squalor said we should have we should have been as noble as you you are noble enough, Violet said, and her siblings nodded in agreement, and the judge and the injustice and injustice expert embraced them again. In someone when someone has disappointed you, as Justice Strauss and Jerome Squalor had disappointed the Baudelaire's, it is often difficult to decide whether to continue their acquaintance, even if the disappointment has long has done have done the disappointers have done noble things since the meantime. Oh, in the meantime, there are some who say that the people should forget that people should forgive everyone, even the people who have disappointed you immeasurably. There are others who say that you that you should not forgive anyone, and you should stomp half or you should stomp off and huff no matter how many times they apologize. Of these two philosophies, the second one, of course, is much more fun, but can grow exhausting to stomp off every time someone has disappointed you, as everyone disappoints everyone eventually and can't stomp off in a huff every minute of the day. When the Baudelaire's thought about the harm that each J.S. had done to them, it was as if they had gotten a bruise quite some time ago and that one that mostly had faded, but that still hurt when they touched it and when they noticed that this bruise made them want to stomp and huff away. But on that evening, one or more properly very very early Wednesday morning, the siblings did not want to stomp off the hotel where there were so many so many wicked people were gathered or in the pond, which was likely to be very cold and clammy at this time of night. They wanted to forgive these two adults and embrace them despite their disappointment. I don't mean to break up this embrace, Dewey said, but we have work to do. Volunteers as one as work to do volunteers as one of the first volunteers said a very long time ago the boys throw stones and the frogs the boys though boys throw stone at frogs in a in sport the frogs do not die in sport in but in earnest speaking of frogs justice strauss said i'm afraid to report that we couldn't see a thing from the other side of the pond the these visions furthering devices work well in the daytime but looking through the special sunglasses after sunset makes everything look dark as a crow flying through the pitch black night which is precisely what we're looking for justice strauss is correct jerome said sadly we couldn't verify the arrival of the crow or either the journey was interrupted we couldn't even see a single crow trapped and trapped wait we couldn't even see if a single crow was trapped said the judge or if a sugar bowl fell into the funnel Funnel, Dewey repeated. Yes, Justice Strauss said. You told us 
that if our enemy shot down the crow, that they would have fallen into the bird paper. And the crow that fell into the bird paper, Jerome continued, then the sugar bowl would fall deep into the laundry room, right? Dewey looked slyly at the steam funneling funnel and then at the surface of the pond. So it would so it would appear, he said, our enemies capturing the sugar bowl would be as troubling as the capture of the medusoid mycelium. So you already know about the plan to shoot down the crow and capture the sugar, said Vilas incredibly. Yes, Dewey said. Justice Strauss learned that the harpoon gun had been taken up to the rooftop of the sunbathing salon. Jerome had noticed when the bird paper Jerome, Jerome noticed that the bird paper was dangling out of the window in the sauna room of two of six thirteen, and I gave Sunny the lock myself, so I so she could lock up the laundry room of room o two five. You know about all the villainous people who are lurking in the hotel, Klaus said, equally incredulously. incredulously. Yes, Justice Strauss said. We observed rings and all of the wooden furniture from people refusing to use coasters, from people refusing to use coasters. Obviously, there are many villains staying in this hotel. Mycelium, Sunny asked, with perhaps just a touch of more incredulousness than her siblings. Yes, Jerome said. We've learned that Olaf has managed to acquire a few spores locked in a tight diving helmet. The Baudelaire's looked at that commonplace book in Klaus's hands and then back at the sub-sub-librarian. I guess our observations and evidence aren't such as valuable contributions at all, Violet said. All these mysterious mysteries we have encountered in the hotel had already been solved. It doesn't matter, Baudelaire's, Jerome said. Olaf won't dare unleash the medusoid mycelium unless he gets his hand on the sugar bowl and then, and he'll never find it. I'm the only no I'm the only one who knows which words were unlocked the binocularly fastened door, Dewey said, ushering the children backwards towards the door entrance of the hotel, and there's no villainous person on earth who has done enough reading to to guess them before Thursday. By then all of the volunteers will will present the research that they've done on count on Count Olaf and his associates to the to the prosecution, and all of their treachery will finally end. Jerome Squalor will be an important witness, Justice Strauss said. His comprehensive history of injustice will help the high courts reach a verdict. Prosecution, Violet said. Witness, Klaus said. Verdict, Sonny said. The three adults smiled at one another and then at the Baudelaire's. Well, that's why we've been trying to tell you, Dewey said gently. VFD has all the research and the entire catalog of Olaf's treachery. On Thursday, Justice Strauss and the other judges of the High Court will hear from each and every one of our volunteers. Count Olaf, Esme, and all the other villainous people gathered here will finally be able to, brought, be, able to be brought to justice. You'll never have to hide from Olaf again, Jerome said, or worry that anyone will steal your fortune. We just have to wait until tomorrow, Baudelaire's Justice Strauss said, and your troubles will finally be over. It's like my comrade always said, Dewey said, right, temporar- right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumph. Wrong, the, the clang of the clock announced that it was one in the morning, and without another word, Dewey took Violet, Violet's hand, and Justice Strauss took Klaus's, and Jerome leaned down and took Sonny's hand, and the three adults led the three orphans up the stairs towards the hotel entrance, walking past the taxi, which was still there, which still sat there, engines purring with the figures of the driver just sat narrow, just sat a shadow in the window. The three adults smiled at the children, and the children smiled back, but of course the Baudelaire's had not been born yesterday, an expression which means young or innocent enough they believe things that certain people would say in the world. If the Baudelaire's had become more 
born yesterday, perhaps they would be innocent enough to believe that all of their troubles were truly about to end and that Count Olaf and all of his treacherous associates would be judged by the high court and condemned to the proper punishments for all of their unnegotiable deeds and that the children would spend the rest of their days working with Dewey Denouement on his enormous underwater catalog if they were waited, if they only waited for tomorrow. But the three siblings were not born yesterday. Violet was born more than 15 years before this particular Wednesday, and Klaus had, was born approximately two years after that. And even Sunny, who had just passed be out of babyhood, was not born yesterday. Neither were you, of course. And unless, of course, I'm writing in which this case, the welcome to the world, little baby, and congratulations on learning this, on learning to read so early in life. But if you were not born yesterday and you have read anything about the Baudelaire children's lives, then you cannot be surprised then you cannot be surprised that this happy moment was almost immediately cut short by the appearance of a most unwelcome person at the moment the children were led through the fog of the steam coming up from the laundry room funnel through the entrance of the hotel denouement as the loud as the one loud wrong faded into nothing. This person was standing in the center of the lobby, his tall, lean body bent from a theatrical pose, and if he were waiting for a crowd to be to applaud, and you would not be surprised to know what tattoo was on his ankle, which the children could see poking out of a hole of his sock, and even in the dim light of the room, you were not born yesterday, in the dim light of the room, you were not born yesterday, probably, so you will not be surprised to find this notorious villain has re reappeared into the Baudelaire's lives for the penultimate time, and the Baudelaire's were also not born yesterday, so that they were able to not be surprised. They were not born yesterday, but when Count Olaf turned to face them and gazed up at them with his shiny, shiny eyes, the Baudelaire orphans wished that they had not been born at all. Beepity boop. All right. It is time to get ready for school, right, Pay? Okay, we gotta get ready, guys. Wah.